0: Manners, decorum, propriety, niceties, tact. Doesn't this all just sound so much fun? Welcome everyone, Kyron here with the Mere Mortals book reviews. And as you might surmise, this is the podcast where I give travel tips about Italy. No, no, wrong, of course I'm joking. But there are some travel tips in this book that we have for you today. A Room with a View by e. M. Forster. So E. M. E.M.forster. Uh, this is a pretty much a classic book. And you do know in this book reviews, we like to dive into the classics. So this was published in 1908. So a good century ago. And it's about 200 pages in length. Uh, I don't know. It felt like this book took me a little bit longer than normal to read. I think my reading speed is going down. Uh, 200 pages in total four and a half hours reading i'm not i'm not sure maybe even five hours it was a little bit synopsis of the book we have the the lovely miss honeychurch miss lucy honeychurch and she travels to italy and, and somewhat kind of like feels trapped with her surroundings by her expectations of society at the time and this is set in the early 1900s so edwardian society so this is, comes after the victorian era morals were a little bit looser people were being able to like you know ride on bicycles for the first time without a chaperone she does have a chaperone in italy miss bartlett and basically while she's there she she gets like a a taste of what it is like to have some freedom in her life and um uh, she actually meets a rather exciting young man there named mr george emerson and they uh they have a a, an interesting uh contact relationship with each other there um but they have to, um, she has to flee unexpectedly because um, propriety of of tact, of morals, what will the people think? All these sorts of things. So she goes to Rome where she meets another man, Mr. Cecil Weiss, who uh, we see later in the book um, in in part two, because it's split in, into two parts, one being in Italy and then the second one being back home in England, where she's agreed to marry Mr. Mister Cecil Weiss. And, um, you know, it, it looks like a good match on paper, but... As we read more and more, we realize, like, oh, okay, maybe this guy is not the right guy for her. So, coincidence puts them all back together at the end of the book, and you're like, oh, okay. You might be just simply thinking, oh, this is like a classic, like, lover's tale. Who's she going to decide between, like, mysterious young man she doesn't really know, or like this guy who she's kind of, you know, it's a better match um, on paper, but or things like this. But it's actually not that, it's not a love story. In the typical sense uh, it does involve love but it, i wouldn't put it as easily as that where you know her having to decide between two suitors i think it's actually a better description as her having to decide between what is expected of her versus what is right and so this gets i guess straight into the the themes of the book the questions what what actually is is happening with this girl and there's many things you could do you could dive into the nature of love or perhaps how art expresses the soul. We see a lot of the art and she's a musician and we, we see, you know, in Italy of all places, there's paintings, there's all these sorts of, you know, just wonderful expressions of the soul. Um, you could perhaps even get into class and cultural differences, but no, what we're going to explore today is the muddle and maybe a little bit of morals. So many times we see the characters deciding internally that you, we see them in their own minds being like, hmm, Lucy's doing this, what should I say to her to get her to stop doing this, basically? And Or, or um, what should I advise her on so that she knows what how, how to behave um, and, and, you know, forbidding her to do certain things. And, uh, for instance, she was expressing, like, a strong hatred or dislike of this man, Mr. Eager. And the others are like, oh, you shouldn't do that, Lucy. It's unladylike, it's unproper. So I'm going to jump to page 37 here quickly and uh, read out a little quote. Which I think gives a, a good explanation of just what the times were and, and things like this. So she was, she was in Italy and she wanted to get on, you know, explore a little bit for herself. And it uh, comes to this. Uh, this she might not attempt. It was unladylike. Why? Why were most big things unladylike? Charlotte had once explained to her why. It was not that ladies were inferior to men. It was that they were different. Their mission was to inspire others to achievement rather than to achieve themselves. Indirectly, by means of tact and a spotless name, a lady could accomplish much. But if she rushed, rushed into the fray herself, she would be first censured, then despised, and finally ignored. Poems had been written to illustrate this point. Pretty much bang on a sentence there of why, that you know, ladies shouldn't be doing certain things, that, you know, that get despised for it. What would the other people think? And it's always like this other people, uh, the, the nameless mass of expectations. No one can put a finger on to like, well, you know, I don't personally believe this, but everyone else believes this, so you shouldn't do this. And we see it's like, okay, well, there's a little bit, you know, bullshit reasoning. Um, and as we go through the book, we see Lucy's experiences of, of poor treatment by her family. They intentionally make her do things which will make her sad or angry or or that she doesn't want to do. And uh, by her family, friends, fiance, you know, all of them were treating her as if she was a cog that should fit into this machine. whereas. Just from the outset, we see so many different things of her. You know, she's a fantastic musician. Uh, Ladies are usually not fantastic musicians. This is kind of acceptable, but also like only if she plays the right music in the right scenario, in the right, uh, you know, ambiance and and in these parties. And she shouldn't talk about um, what she saw in Italy. And she should only say these certain things. And it's just like, God, this is so tedious. It's so tiresome. We see a little difference with this with uh, George Emerson, who is her her first kind of like lover in a sense. And remember, this is like Edwardian society. So when someone says they're making love to someone, it means like you know they they had like an indirect contact of the hand or something like this. So <laughs> it's, just, it's not the full on full on um, intimate relations that we have perhaps nowadays. And there's some all all these sorts of things where you could go into like you know. He also like kind of tells her what to do, but there's differences between giving out advice, i.e. Maybe you should think about this. Like he encourages her, for example, to be independent, to to bear her soul, to break the conventions, break the norms. Um, But, you know, that's him telling her what to do as well. So, you know, how does this come across? Like, I guess his is usually more a consideration or a suggestion, whereas most other people it's a statement. You should do this. You shouldn't do that. and funnily, like a, a lot a lot of tact, i.e. etiquette, i.e. nuance and knowledge, is required in in helping someone because you don't you can't just come in and, and blaze through it and say, like, you should do this, this will help you out. No, it's it's like you gotta you know, leading the horse to water rather than uh, you know, forcing it to drink water. So it, you know, tact is required, but in Edwardian society, tact was strict adherence to arbitrary rules whereas nowadays i would hope to think that tact is more like understanding the particular nuances of a of a particular person and not trying to enforce yourself on them but trying to help them and and, um, be good to them Um, and so unfortunately she listens to all these people and she gets herself into what is called a muddle and a muddle is uh, uh one of these uh, things that come right at the end of the book you know i was i'd almost finished my notes for the book and i only had uh 10 pages left left to go maybe maybe 12 and it, it, it we came to this final beautiful scene which i really loved um and this is where uh george emerson's father mr emerson uh he he takes her aside and he sees she's about to make a really really dumb decision and um, he he comes to this section here so we see this Um, She was not uh, that you are in a muddle. She shook her head. Take an old man's word. There's nothing worse than a muddle in all the world. It is easy to face death and fate and the things that sound so dreadful. It is on my muddles that I look back with horror on the things that I might have avoided. We can help one another, but little. I used to think I could teach young people the whole of life, but I know better now. And all my teaching of George has come down to this. Beware of muddle. Do you remember in that church when you were pretended to be annoyed with me and weren't? Do you remember before when you refused the room with the view? Those were models, little but ominous. And I'm fearing that you are in one now. And then he goes on to explain, you know, how to live, how to life, uh, how to live, how to life, how to love. And these models are these little tiny things where you do the things that you, you do them because you expect other people uh, to expect you to do them. So in this instance, a room with a view, the 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 title of the book she refuses uh, a a room which has a nice view which she really wanted and that the Emersons didn't care about because on you know now we're going to be under an obligation to them and you know i'm a young single woman and this is not really her it's you know miss bartlett her chaperone who forces this now i can't do this because this is going to happen and um you know uh, I'm 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 pretending to be outraged. Well, I'm not actually outraged, but that is what a girl should be outraged by. It's all this sort of things. And um, I think, you know, his distillation of wisdom is to avoid this. In my own words, I would phrase it as having the courage to disappoint others because everyone's always going to have expectations. There's always going to be things in society which may or may not be right. I think personally, for example, that uh, violence is is pretty abhorrent and inflicting it upon other people is, is abhorrent. Uh, you know, if I had gone back to the Spartan times and morals uh, back then and told them like, you know, more, uh, violence is bad, uh, they would have laughed at me. And I'd say rightly so because that was their society. That was the world they lived in and, and violence was a kind of like a necessary part of it. Um, but there's always going to be these instances where there'll be expectations and they will be arbitrary. There'll be just stupid rules which have stuck around for, you know, generations and, you know, this is what we used to do back in the day, this sort of thing. And you, you're not hurting them by, by flouting these rules or doing something different. Um, there are no real ramifications for your actions. If she had just said, Oh, uh, thank you. I would appreciate the room with a view and just go on with it. You know, that, that would have been totally fine. Nothing would have happened. Um, <laughs> it's it's uh, simply deciding to say the phrase or do the thing even though you know someone else is going to uh be disappointed in you perhaps but the thing is like they might not even be disappointed in you based on their own expectations it's more of society in general this nameless formless shapeless thing which which if no one can really pin down it makes no sense but it is still there and still is a consideration a little personal story here but reminds me of uh 10 years ago when uh, uh I, I was getting into yoga i'd done it for about a year and a little bit and i was telling my dad like oh you know i think i might uh, do some yoga teacher training or something like that i think i think that could be kind of fun and this was right as i was about to graduate as a as an engineer and i remember my dad like looking at me with kind of disdain or you know he, 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 i love my dad he's, a, he's an amazing person um but there would be times where he'd like brush off something as inconsequential, as stupid. Uh, and, and I would feel that. I would feel like the, the disappointment and things like this. And I remember him saying, but like, oh, like why would you? Um, you know, you, you can't make much money from you. You're about to be an engineer, something like that. And the funny thing is like now, a decade later, I'm kind of coming back to it and being like, you know what? I would be interested in maybe doing some yoga teacher training and, and giving it a try, seeing what it's like. And so that was one of those times where, yeah, perhaps I, I got myself in a muddle uh, because I wasn't willing to disappoint someone um, in his expectations or expectations of society, perhaps. And uh, uh, it's, it's pernicious. It's hard to avoid. I think we'll all get into muddles in our lives. And I think it's important to just try and not get into the big ones like Lucy does here, where she is about to make a horrendous decision, which would make her very unhappy for the rest of her life. And, uh, and those sort of the muddles, those are the ones you really got to watch out for and, 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 um, make sure they don't compound and, uh, really affect your life. Let's jump on, I suppose, to the author, maybe some extra details. Edward M. Forster, I can't remember his middle name, born in 1879, a fair while ago. He lived a uh, quite a long life as well. I think he made it to the 19, 1970. So, um, 90, 91 years, something like that. Good on him. And, uh, he lived through this Edwardian period and himself was uh, I, I suppose like the character of Lucy, uh, Lucy Honeychurch, it was kind of him, to be honest. Um, he's an interesting man because he, uh, I, I believe he was gay. And so in those periods, of course, like, you know, being, being homosexual was definitely a no-no. Uh, and uh, he, he struggled with his sexuality. He struggled with fitting into what expi- uh, society expected of him. Uh, he, he felt all of these things himself. And uh, he traveled to Italy. Um even this book, he struggled to create because he wanted to make it a comedy, i.e. something with an uplifting ending. And, and we do see an uplifting ending, but he didn't want to end it with marriage of, oh, the girl marries the right guy and they live happily ever after. Um, and he, he really struggles with contending with that, but whilst also trying to write a book, which uh, is fascinating, which does have a, a, you know, a plot, which does make sense because he was uh, this was one of the times I, I read the introduction after I um after I'd finished the book because uh, you, you'll see why because I actually quite liked the book and I wanted to know a little bit more and we see he was debating with you know like killing off a character randomly just so that he could have you know like kind of the deuce Ex Machina type thing and it was like oh I'm really glad he didn't do that it would have would have totally ruined the ending um, There's only other one other thing I really wanted to to take from this um, and once again it, it highlights. Uh, why I like this book so much. And so we're jumping here onto page 72, 73. And basically, uh, Lucy sh- Lucy's uh, had, you know, uh, basically a kiss with this guy and um, her chaperone found out and they're, they're now like having to leave. But now the chaperone, Miss Bartlett, she's feeling guilty because she's there to make sure this type of behavior, these sorts of things don't happen. Um, and so Lucy was going to tell her mum and be like, mom, this happened. And, and Miss Bartlett's like, well, you know, maybe we don't have to tell her. If we just keep it a secret between you and I, you know, everything will be good. And uh, the reason she did this was just because she didn't want to get into trouble. And so we we come to this little um, portion here. A shamefaced world of precautions and barriers which may avert evil, but which do not seem to bring good, if we may judge those from who have used them most. Lucy was suffering from the most grievous wrong which this world has yet discovered. Diplomatic advantage had been taken of her sincerity, of her craving for sympathy and love. Such a wrong is not easily forgotten. Never again did she expose herself without due consideration and precaution against rebuff. And such a wrong may react disastrously upon the soul. Man, the passages like that are what I love about reading. And... You no know, you you just hear it here and and on the book reviews and you're like ah oh, Karen, it's it's not that good but the whole lead up to it the 72 pages leading up to this made that a poignant like heart-hitting truth you go oh shit damn son you're right the the grievous wrong of being taken advantage of from your sincerity is is heartbreaking it's one of the worst things that can happen to a person and it's a a, another strong argument i I suppose getting into the questions and themes again as to as to why um you perhaps shouldn't put too much weight on others opinions and their expectations because this the polite society for example are full of prejudice and rudeness and we look at the the characters in this book who most resemble this edwardian etiquette of all those things i listed at at the start Um, manners decorum morals tact niceties propriety and we see these are the worst people these are the rudest people um these are the prim and proper chaperone miss bartlett she's a gossip she breaks her word of of keeping the secret uh cecil her mr vice her her kind of like you know uh amazing well established uh, fiance he's a shallow prude who's rather ignorant of his own ignorance and so he's haughty he He makes fun of other people he's capricious he he pulls like nasty tricks on people just to satisfy his own you know like revenge i guess i don't know what you'd even call it um the mr eager one of the the um um, the the church people forgotten the name starts with a p parsons um he he's just like an absolute arsehole just a complete arsehole uh makes unfound uh, accusation accusations you know the casting stones and glass houses all these sorts of things all of this is just like damn what okay all right these are the people to be emulated these are the people who are doing the things right and then you look at the weirdos the outsiders the independent people and they're the ones who are kind to everyone they're the ones who are not spilling secrets they're the ones who are uh you know doing the right things um and yeah, it's it's interesting going through that and being like, okay, all right, I kind of see what's going on here. Obviously, this book was written with that independent frame of mind. So it's very much what he's trying to expose. And you could write a book of the opposite so- sort where it's, um, I'm actually trying to think of a book where it's the prim and proper etiquette people who are the good ones and the independent, you know, kind of like outside the system people who are the bad ones. None, none are coming to mind. None are coming to mind. Uh, might have to research that a bit more, which will get us on to our, our last summary here. Similar books, recommendations. Uh, a good book for me is one that raises interesting questions and in particular has powerful passages. Those three things I read out, I, you know, I, I, I'll i talk about the quotes a little bit more, but I, I don't really want to do them as much. But I, I kind of felt like I had to read them, read them out because they, they hit me in places where I went, damn, damn, son. So. I feel this book does this uh, quite nicely, superbly, in fact. And the only problems I really had with the book were subtracting a couple of points just for the language. It is a, a little bit, I wouldn't say dense, but yeah, it, it, it's kind of hard to pass at times. And I don't know if this is due to just the prevailing conventions of the language at the time, you know, language changes. And, you know, perhaps he himself, Mr. Forster, the, the writer, the author, fell into the trap of writing to expectations of the time, i.e., you don't talk about sex, for example. You don't you don't mention rude words. There wasn't certainly wasn't any rude words in this book, or even um, you know, goddamn or hell or anything like that. So uh we could maybe say like, oh, he himself has has fell into the the trap of of sticking to conventions and etiquette. Or we could just say, you know, this is just how they spoke 100 years ago. They, they used different words. They didn't use and as much. They probably weren't saying like. Uh, they, there was probably all sorts of things they were doing. Uh, and it, but it would be ironic if he fell into the trap of sticking to conventions. Uh, character development feels a little lacking at times. Uh, I probably would have said if he'd added an extra 30 pages or so just to fill out some of these characters, it probably would have been better. Maybe a little bit less time on the actual Scenery and describing that, uh, I, I didn't get as much joy from that as uh, as I did the actual characters themselves. Uh, and the love between her and George, it goes pretty quickly. It's pretty rapid. Uh, I'm that that was one of those times where I'm like a eh, little bit of disbelief creeping in here that she would make uh, big decisions either way uh, of either deciding to to marry him or to flee or whatever else other option she had available to her you know it seems pretty dramatic considering she the, the 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 face time between the two of them is so so minimal um so uh, an interesting book uh nonetheless there were plenty of additional notes that I wanted to fit in here and I couldn't do so that's actually going to be in the the next mere mortals episode about morals and where they come from how they're judged upon are they society-wide ones things like that so check out the mere mortals in a week's time and uh, overall, I'm going to give this book a very, very solid 7.5 out of 10. E.M. Forster's A Room with a View. If you want other books that are like this that deal with similar themes, uh, we've done plenty on this book reviews, or at least I have. Um, Test of the Derbivals by Thomas Hardy, A Portrait of a Lady by Henry, Henry James, My Brilliant Career, Miles Franklin, The Age of Innocence, Edith Wharton, Madame Bovary, Gustave Flaubert. There you go. There's a whole bunch of ones there if you're in- interested of reading some of them jump into them. Let's go into the B4B section. And this is where I just want to thank some people who have helped support the show or sent in interesting messages or, or just uh, provided some feedback to the show. And man, did I get a doozy this week. And this is from, it was such a random one because it was on a, he, he sent it to my um, own own um, <clears throat> Facebook, my personal one. And this was from Vratislav Kapisik. Um definitely mispronouncing that. Vratislav, um i'm pretty sure of the the first name or moderately sure <laughs> and he says hello mate i just want to say that i love your podcast and book reviews they make my mornings and daily commutes actually enjoyable and i learn a bunch of things along the way i also appreciate your focus on classic works of literature which seem to be neglected by most podcast producers i would uh, uh agree with that i've gone through a lot of podcasts uh book reviews and they don't they don't go into the classics much um i think that's part of the business model they they need They need the new authors. They need need to sell stuff. Uh, It is also one of the rare instances of podcasts which have a clear structure and easy to follow even whilst doing other tasks. So I do not have the time. I almost have no social media accounts and did not know where and how to connect with you apart from this platform. In the last episode, you asked for recommendations and thoughts. And I'm particularly happy about the fact not, sorry, not particularly happy about the fact that the episodes tend to be shorter on average now, although I absolutely understand that most listeners won't stay for the whole thing. I believe they should be arranged 20 to 35-ish minutes depending on the themes and heaviness of the material. Moreover, I would recommend keeping the classic literature and occasionally adding something contemporary in order to balance the choice for all kinds of audiences. I also appreciate that you always provide a summary of a given work which makes the subsequent analysts much clearer. I definitely would not want to change that. Thanks for your fantastic work. No, Radislav, thank you for your kind, kind message. That made my day, man. i I one of the best messages i've I've ever received in my life to be honest it was it was that kind of feedback is so invaluable i I can't express not only because he because he hit all the points which i was asking about in terms of you know should i keep a summary how long should i make these things that that what knowing what he wants is definitely going to shape of of how i do things so uh, i will just say the balance is tending towards going back to longer book reviews uh, what I actually really want to do, so for example, this one's already at like 25 minutes, I think, and I, I've still got another couple of minutes to go. But what I really want to do is keep it to a tight 25 minutes. If you listened to uh, ones from, let's just say, six months ago, there was a lot of waffle at the start. There was a lot of talking about extra things. You know, I was talking about the live, I was talking about this. If you notice this one, I, I get into the the uh, synopsis pretty damn quick. So I want to just make everything tighter. Put it all together and and just really make it solid um and I think I can make that so it will still have the same amount of themes questions things like that popping up, but I'm just trying to trying to make the whole product nicer so thank you so much for that my friend um uh the the only question now is uh regarding quotes. he said he wasn't uh particularly enthused with them uh, when Cole was doing them, and I'm moving away from that anyway, so that's cool um maybe one or two to draw attention to the particular theme that's kind of what i did for this one to be honest so um that's that's probably still the one thing i want to know do people find the quotes useful or not Uh, i would really really love to know that reach out via any of the social links that are down below or you can reach out to me personally on on facebook like bradislav has done here so value for value that's that's all i ask for um i put all this uh, effort out to you free of charge and i just ask that you return it in some shape or form you can do it like Vata, uh Vladislav or like Juan and Johnny uh, have done by appearing in the the live um that we do. Pastors, thank you Juan. That's uh, that's what I wanted to say, Pastors. Uh and and you can also uh give some feedback like the the talent like uh, Vladislav has done there, suggestions on how to improve these book reviews are much appreciated. And then if you want to support us there is a PayPal link down in the show notes which you can uh, send that into and i will definitely read those messages out and um and thank you for for help supporting the show uh, because it does co- cost time money energy to create all of these things so doing that is much appreciated last little note here i'm live here on uh thursdays 10 a.m australian eastern standard time i had to switch it up a little bit earlier today <coughs> sorry partly due to sickness partly due to um uh going to the hospital to see my mum. so uh, i'm going to uh, they're going to switch anyway in about a month's time because I'll be going to Brazil. And so I don't know what's going to happen. We'll, we'll figure it out when I'm there. So, uh, at least for the next month, I've got that, uh, there join us on the, um, YouTube is probably the easiest way to do it. Or you can also do it, um, via a podcasting app because we are live on them. If you're unsure about that, mere podcast.com slash support, and that'll give you, um, the recommendations of which apps you can use because Apple and Spotify don't support live. Cause they're not great apps, to be honest. Um, you're missing out if you're uh, only on them. Uh, I saw Johnny here says, uh, my days, uh, uh, my days off are getting switched starting next week. So I'm going to miss the live streams. No, but I will watch when I get home. It's been so much fun chatting afterwards. I hope you have an amazing trip. Thank you, Johnny. Um, hopefully it'll work out <laughs> when I travel where it'll, it'll work out. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate you joining in as well. And and this makes the world to me having this feedback, having these, uh, interactions with Friday's Johnny, uh, one in the chat is, uh, Is really fun. Um, So, we're going to leave it there for today. Thank you everyone for joining me. What have we got coming up? Uh, Probably the next one is Yukio Mishima's Confessions of a Mask. I do want to do A Room of One's Own, different from A Room with a View, A Room of One's Own by Virginia Woolf. The Innocents Abroad. It will happen, but probably in about a month's time. And I'll fit one more in um, apart from those three uh, before I go. And then we'll probably have a whole bunch from one for a little bit as I'm getting set up. So, that's it. Thank you everyone for joining. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are in the world with your reading as well. I uh, encourage you to read all of these books and we'll leave it there. Ciao for now. now. Bye.